there was something really, um, it felt really risky at the time, but something really nice about just owning it publicly, you know, it was embarrassing for many, for many years and, you know, whatever people have their own experience, but you know, it was something really cathartic about sharing it. And since then, so many people, so many listeners have come out of the woodwork and said, I went through the same thing or whatever. And so I think sometimes you got to just like, you know, you got to put on your big girl pants and be first. And I, I think it's always a little bit scary because you're looking around going like no one else is here. You know, you and I both have said we don't want to have children and it's another script breaker right there, you know? So I think you have to have some lady balls. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get Maestroized. Three, two, one. Hello, friends. Master here, and welcome back to another episode of my favorite podcast. Running this one in probably my favorite fashion, which is in person, but I'm super selective with who I actually want to be in person with. I've had this guest on once, twice, and this will be thrice. And we're chilling in the living room with the famous dog that introduced us, Pip. Welcome back to the show for the third time, my good friend, Jill Fit. Hell yeah, three Pete. <laughs> so excited. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Kind of uh, have a few things in mind that I want to talk about, but right off the bat, actually, folks listening, if somehow you don't know Jill, I think that's probably pretty surprising because she's like in my stories on my stuff all the time. Uh, but Courtney, if you could link episode 112 and episode 330, you folks will get a little backstory about JB. My uh, God, 112. Yeah. God, that yeah. was so long ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Like like three years ago. Right. I was like in the beginning. <laughs> it's like a really long time Babies. ago. Babies. 112, 330, and now, I don't know, this will be, I have no idea what this is going to be, um, 370 or something like that, but uh, if you could link those, that would be amazing. But right off the bat, Jill, I want you to catch us up. You had a phenomenal year last year. How was that and how have things been since? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I wasn't expecting that. Um, yeah. You know, I haven't talked about it a ton. So one of the things that we did last year, so for those maybe who are unfamiliar with Jill Fit, which is my company, we started in 2010 as a blog and we started doing one-on-one coaching online. I was still working full-time as a personal trainer and uh, working full-time running a university fitness center. And within about, I would say 18 months of starting Jill Fit as a blog, I ended up quitting um, all my in-person stuff and going exclusively online. And we started like most do with sort of a one-on-one sort of high ticket. And at that time it wasn't even high ticket. We were probably charging maybe 125 a month, something super, super cheap. Uh, but we grew a really fast readership. And at the time, this was sort of in the golden age of blogging where people, you know, there wasn't as many people doing this online business thing. And so we were fairly lucky to get in at an early 
time. And within a couple of years, people were asking me like, how are you building this? What are you doing? And at that point, Jill Fit had become a six-figure online business. And so I started doing some, I would say, light business coaching in 2012, 2013. And I didn't know everything, but I certainly knew enough to help someone do what I did. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I just sort of pulled back the curtain on my own stuff and shared that. And I was also sharing a lot of fitness and nutrition still. And also actually at the time doing some mindset type coaching. Um, Fast forward to, I guess, when uh, you and I met in 2018, Jill Fit had been around for seven or eight years. And we were pretty much in a holding pattern. We were at probably generating, I would say, between $600,000 and $800,000 in the business each year, which is amazing. Um, And for the most part, I was a solopreneur the whole time. I have an amazing assistant. Shout out, Sarah. If you've ever emailed into Jill Fit, you've talked to Sarah. She's awesome. She's helping us with a lot of our stuff. Um, But at that point, I was sort of, I would say like 2020, 2020, there's a lot of 20s there. 2020, <laughs> 2021. It was all one big year look, all right? There was a lot of 20s. I, I can't was like, even how remember 20s? what happened in 2018 or 2019. So anyway, <laughs> pandemic hit and we had a lot of people come online. And you know this. I mean, and you and I, the first year we did Legacy was last year. Um, and we launched it in 2020. And there were just um, a lot of trainers and people coming online and just desperate to learn internet business, which was awesome. Um, and I hate saying that because I think, I mean, so many people had such a hard time during the pandemic, but for online business owners, a lot of them, they actually did really well. And they kind of came into the online space and found a lot of success and want to sort of transition into that. Um, but at Jill Fit, we didn't really have the capacity to handle it. And going into 2021, I sort of just had this feeling of like, you know what, I'm getting a little bit overwhelmed. I am also getting like a tad bit bored with this mm-hmm. model. I was in a sort of, I don't want to say complacency, but sort of a holding pattern with the business. And it was, we were making a great living. You know, people were satisfied. I was having a lot of fun. I was probably working 25 to 30 hours a week. But at the beginning of 2021, I joined a mastermind and I was like, you know what, I want to push this year and I want to do things differently more so as a personal challenge for me, not anything else. Like, you know, I have no need for making more money and stuff like that. But I was like, you know what, as a personal challenge, I want to be better at business. I want to learn new skills. And so in during 2021, we ended up hiring seven new people on our team and we pushed the envelope. We pushed the envelope with paid traffic. We launched more, we did way more volume and we ended up having our first seven figure year. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, the biggest changes I would say, Definitely. I mean, I hate to say it, but like definitely working more, especially now in this buffer phase, like I'm not a good manager yet. So that's one of my biggest challenges is, you know, bringing on team members and it's been great, but it's been a learning curve for all of us. And that's been interesting to me. It's keeping me in like engaged in the process. Um, but it's completely different than solopreneurship because yeah. now we still are pretty lean in terms of we can make fast decisions. I think that's one of the biggest pieces um, of, you know, wanting to have a lean business. And so since then, it's been a lot of changes and it's been really exciting. And this is probably the least in control of my business. I felt so my website went down like two days ago <laughs> because people on my team were like in the back end, like updating some stuff. So my like head of operations messaged me. I'm at the gym and he's like, so website's down. And I, meanwhile, I like, don't even know what's happening in business. So I'm like, okay, so let me know when it's back up. I don't know what else to do. Like you guys can handle it. Right. But it's cool because I do feel super supported for the first time with just great people around me who are all enrolled in the vision. all like understand the core values. We've had to do a lot more like leadership type training. Uh, but since then, yeah, I mean, I think we crossed over 400,000 in the first quarter this year. So we're right on target for, for our goal for this year. What would you say is something that you would 
I hate to use the word never, but I'm going to use it because it's just easy right now. What is something that you would never feel like you will never outsource? That's not going to go to somebody else. I like doing this. You know, I don't think I'll ever outsource. Probably, I don't know. I mean, never say never, exactly. obviously. But you know, right now, the thing that I feel the most tied to, and it's not a bad, it's not a bad feeling of feeling tied to. I definitely don't feel like you know uh, stuck in a place because I really enjoy social media. But probably my my personal social media handles, like the Jill Fit handle. Yeah. Um, the right now, like Courtney, who edits your podcast, she does. She produces um, the Best Life podcast as well, and she is in charge of the Fit Biz You. Instagram account. She does all the growth over there. If you talk to someone in the DMs on the Fit Busy you account, it's her. Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff. That, and I, you know, we just we just started building the Moderation 365 one-on-one coaching program, and Sarah is handling all of that. So we we have three, we have four additional coaches, and Sarah handles all of that. She handles all the certification stuff for the Mod 365 nutrition course. So it's nice that I have people that I can really rely on who just literally take the whole arm of the business and just run with it, and then just check with me. And they have a lot of autonomy, which is awesome. And they have a lot of um, freedom to make decisions. And then I own, because I, I don't want to hear about everything. I only want to hear the things I need to hear. Um, but I probably won't outsource my personal yeah. social media. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, a lot would, of people do, you know. Which is wild to me. But I mean, I get it. If it's not something where your heart's at and you're like, this is not what I want to be doing. I think people forget about that too. We get so focused on like, is it income generating? Yeah, that is important. But like, do you want to do it? Do you enjoy sure. it? What does that give you? And if it's a creative outlet, if it gives you connection and those things are things that you really value, like makes sense to hold on I to I will it. take you one of the biggest things that had to change for me was definitely releasing control for sure. I mean, that was one of the biggest things. And I think you'll know when you're ready to scale because you're okay with that. You know, I hear, mm-hmm. I talk to a lot, obviously we, both of us work with a lot of entrepreneurs and they say, I just don't trust someone else to do it. I just don't trust that they'll do it as good as me. I just don't, I'm scared that someone's going to drop the ball. All completely valid fears and things that I really was fearful for a long time. And that's probably why I didn't scale faster. Uh, but then I got to the point of so, so much overwhelm that I was like, anyone could do anything in this that, business. <laughs> like that. anyone want to take anything off my plate. <laughs> and you know, the truth is we have had some blunders. We've definitely lost thousands of dollars on little mistakes the team's made. Um, and as a leader, it's my job to figure out how to, you know, be a good leader to, to discipline, but also to make them feel encouraged that they can, you know, do better and that they want to do better without feeling reprimanded. Or I want to create a safe space for them to mess up. But also, I don't love losing thousands of dollars yeah. if we can <laughs> avoid it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if it's, I look at it like this, if I can, if someone else can get it like 95% of the way there, that's good enough for me at this point. I love that. That was actually my next question. I got, yeah. my, got my little notebook out here. You do. Look at you all prepared. You know, this is when I, when I do my own podcast, like by my episodes by myself, I have a, like a big whiteboard I put next to it just because otherwise I'd be going off tangent. And then I'm like, I know if people love your tangent. This is like, this is too long. So three hours is supposed to be a Thursday shorty. Courtney <laughs> has to edit this thing. Like, I me, love how you call them Thursday shorty and they're like 45 perfect. minutes. Minutes. You know, there's exactly. So but I'm the like, people give the people what they I want. I don't have they a whiteboard. I'm like, oh, a shit. lot of maestro. We're <laughs> oh, here for shit. it. We're all here for it. So I'm trying to keep us, you know, I'm like, I don't want to forget the question. And that was actually the next thing I'd written down was that feeling mm-hmm. of being ready to scale, to grow, to bring people on. I think people really try to force it because they see it in the space of like, you're not legit unless you like have a team or you have like some sure. VA in the Philippines working for you. Like, you're not legit. But I love what you said there about 
holding on to things and even approaching that feeling of overwhelm. Like it's not necessarily a bad thing no. to have that and then be like, you know what? Now I'm ready to, and I know what I need to be pushing off on people or you know, delegating to people. Totally. I mean, that's, and that's when you know. So for me, what happened was it was funny because the reason why I had the, or the story I had told myself about why I didn't want to scale or why I kept not bringing on team for as long as I did not was because I wanted my freedom and I wanted autonomy and I wanted to be able to make fast decisions in the business, not have to check with anyone, not have to make manage anybody. And if you know me, you know that I'm an absolutely like terrible manager. I've had to change that story actually. Um, but I knew it was time to bring on team because 2020 was so bananas in the business in a good way. We had just so many people who were just looking for help. So many people looking for support, so many people looking for coaching, so many people just being like, is there any way I can work with you? And I didn't have anywhere to put these people. Mm -hmm. And again, a good problem to have. So what happened was I kept just taking on more and more one-on-one coaching clients to the point where all of my like three full days of the week were I was on the phone like eight, nine hours a day. And I looked up and I was like, you don't even have autonomy. Yeah. You don't even have freedom. So the thing that you've been trying to get by not bringing on help you've actually trapped yourself. I call it an autonomy trap. I was literally, I created a sort of prison myself and I love my clients and I, I had, a, I love doing that work, but I found myself in a place where I was like, oh, <laughs> you don't have what you said you've always wanted. And so, um, and you know this, this is definitely something for me, like the one-on-one coaching stuff. I, I do think it's so valuable. And if you're listening to this and you're a coach, like I will always do some level of one-on-one. I think there's nothing more valuable than being in the trenches with your clients. It's so great for just you know, knowing, you know, market research and, and people get the best results with one-on-one. They just always do. Uh, but at some point you have to draw a line in the sand, or at least I did. Mm-hmm. And so to figure out other containers and I need to bring on people who can help in those containers. Yeah. That's so. like, that's actually the next question yeah. I want to go into is that talking about, can you talk to me about that mindset or I hate that fucking word, but that mindset around yeah. pulling back from a one-on-one model and going into a group model. It's very difficult for people yeah. to wrap their heads around. You feel like you can't get the same results because yeah. you can't, but where were you? And when you switched, how do you feel about that? What is your mind around that? Yeah. So one of, so my, I have like a, a series of programs, obviously Shantae and I do legacy together, which is like an intermediate plus business coaching program. But before then I have my signature offers called FBA. It's fitness business accelerator. And it is for beginners to business. Those in like year zero to two. So I don't assume they know anything. Some of you people don't have an Instagram account. Like they don't have a website. They don't know anything about online business. So when someone says to me, I think I'm too beginner. I'm like, nope, this is for you. There's nothing like that on, in the space. Um, when they come in, this sounds counterintuitive, but I don't think they're good candidates for one-on-one coaching because yeah. number one, it's more expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they obviously, they don't have a lot of funds to invest. And number two, they don't know what questions to ask. Yeah, so totally. it's not actually a good use of their funds and their time. You would think it's the opposite, right? Like, oh, just, you know, hire someone one-on-one and just go all in with them. It's not that it can't be done. But what I find with beginners is being in a group and sort of starting with other people who are in that same space gives them something that they really need at that time, which is the support in the community. And, you know, when you're getting started, I think it's way easier when you're more advanced because you know where you're going, you're focused, you've sort of turned off the shiny object syndrome, like you're very sort of, you know, strategic. But when you're just learning, there's so much to learn. There's so much to absorb. 
you need people around you who are in the same space to ask questions and uh, brainstorm and mastermind with and things like that. So the beginner, honestly, for beginners, I actually really like group. I think yeah. it's it's really effective. And honestly, a lot of the people on the FBA calls don't even know what to ask. Mm -hmm. So the idea that they would, so not everyone even talks. Some people yeah. go the whole six months and never talk live on a call, but they come to every single call mm -hmm. because they're just absorbing everything, right? They're yeah. learning from other people's questions and they're learning from my teach every week on the calls. It's a weekly coaching program for, for six months months, it's a lot of FaceTime with me. And you just, it's a A to Z accelerator business course. So when they graduate from FBA, there's an opportunity for them to then graduate into Legacy, which is the program you and I do together. And that's a hybrid. That's some group. And that's also some one-on-one. -on -one. And then my mastermind, which is also group and a little bit of one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm actually thinking about pulling back the one-on-one -on, -one on that as well. Because honestly, at the level, the mastermind levels, they have to be, they have to be making six figures to be considered for the mastermind online. And most of them, honestly, they're so self-sufficient. They've been so successful. They just need to check in. Yeah. They just need to be like, hey, what do you think about this? Or I'm thinking about this or whatever. They just need more bumpers. They don't need a ton of strategy because they already are. They can literally teach this stuff to other people yeah, at this point. Totally. You kind of see that reverse bell curve. It makes total, yeah. total, total sense. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to the people that are going into FBA that are concerned about getting lost in the sauce? And they're like, there's a lot of people. What would you say to them so that they get the best results? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound really strange. They kind of, I think some want to get lost a little bit, mm -hmm. right? I think it's really scary for a lot of them to have so much. And of course you always have those ones who talk every single week, right? And they're, they're great. And they're like, they just want to, and this is the person, you know, if you, in any like yep. class you've been in every single time, this is the person after the bell rings. They're like, I need, what about, and it's great. And I love it. And we get really close because we spend a lot of time together, yeah. but some people, I don't think they want to get close. So one of the things that I do, especially beginners, because they're so nervous, they're nervous about strange stuff. Like they don't want to take my time. They're worried about bothering me, like stuff like that, you mm -hmm. know, whereas I'm like, you can bother me. That's why you're on the call. That's why we can stay on as long as you need. Need, right. I want to make sure you have everything you need. Um, but a lot of times they get really scared to talk on the call because they're scared their question is going to be silly or, yeah. and oftentimes they don't even know what question they need answered until someone else asks yeah. it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I need to know that too. Um, so I don't really have a ton of people. I would say for those who are like, this is too big of a group for me. Um, they should either probably invest in one-on-one -on -one or they should get their business to the point where they can invest in like something that's a little yeah. bit more intermediate to advanced. Yeah, no, I think that's actually a phenomenal answer. That makes And I also tell sense. people like, I will never call on them. I think that's a big thing too, is like, I think if you get into these yeah. Zoom calls and you feel like I'm, because they just won't show up. If there's a, a chance that they might be called on by me, they just won't show. And so for me, I'm always trying to lower the barrier to entry for my students to do it. And if they, so I tell them they can have their videos off if they need to, they can be doing other stuff because we'll stay on for two hours hours yeah. a week. So a lot of them have competing priorities. They're running around. They're not doing this full time yet. So for them, a lot of times they have, they're running around the kids and they're at a corporate job, you know? So for them, and we have people who literally stay on for two hours every single week for six months and never unmute and never show their face. And, but they get so much out of it. Yeah. Because they just expose themselves to the material. So many people just drop out, especially it's so susceptible. And you know this, like we talk about live events a lot. So in legacy, like I would say 90, 95% of our students come to our live events. My mastermind, hundred mm -hmm. percent FBA, it's like 40 to 50%, right? Cause mm -hmm. they're just not bought in quite yet. No. They just haven't seen the fruits of their labor quite yet. So they're the most easily, uh, what's the word susceptible to dropping out. Yeah, No, that makes, that makes total sense I, for this model, Jill. I see, I, I see, I understand I've been in it. Uh, how it works. And I'm talking about this leverage coaching one to many, yep. seeing how it works for B2B. Works great. 
how have you used it and how mm-hmm. do you coach people to use it when it's B2C, when it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, a fitness oh, thing yeah. or a nutrition thing? How do people do that? They really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yes, but also they have to sell it too. Like if you're the coach, if you're the content creator, if you're the course creator, you, on some level you have to champion the model because if you're not fully on board behind the model, then how do you expect your yeah. people to buy into it? So I think that's the first thing is decide like, okay, do I really believe that I can make this work? And maybe you don't know until you run it one time. You know, we have a student right now in Legacy who is really sort of nervous yeah. to do her very first group coaching model and she crushed her mm-hmm. launch. She did. Yeah. And I know it's going to be great. And you and, you and I both know, like she's going to go through this and be like, yeah, I can't believe I wasn't doing this sooner to leverage her time. She's, she wants to get out of one-on-one coaching. Um, but yeah, I think it can be a little scary because you don't, you're maybe you're not confident that your clients are going to get the results that they get with one-on-one. I think so that's a little bit tough, but I look at it this way. Not everyone can afford one-on-one. So it is actually a service for me to make something that's more affordable, make something that's more accessible. Otherwise I'm just up here being like, yes, it's, yep. I don't know, $500 a month to coach with me one-on-one. And that's a disservice to other people who want to access your coaching or access your information and can't do that because they don't have 500 bucks a month. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to answer your question, the way that I've done it in the past, we've done it with nutrition. We ran it, we have run a program called physique sessions. And essentially what it was, was anywhere between like a six to 12 week group coaching pro- program. It's very, very simple. So if you've never done this before, you guys, I'm going to give you this template because it's very simple. It, let's just say it's a six week or eight week group coaching program. Very simple one pre-recorded training per week. Like, so think to yourself, what's the educational backbone that I want this program to have? If I, if they walk away with these learning and implementing these four to six big dial movers, that will be success. So I break down the curriculum that I want to share. And then I start with a pre-recorded training, keeping in mind that people don't have a lot of time. I think this is counterintuitive as well. We think we need to give more stuff. We need to add more things. We need to have longer trainings. We need to show people how much value they're getting and how smart we are. The most valuable thing you can do for someone is give them something they can actually consume. They can actually digest because if they actually consume and digest it, they're going to implement it and get the result that that you want. If they feel overwhelmed, you and I both know the second they feel overwhelmed or behind that they're going to, they're going to check out and then they're definitely not going to get the results. So when you think about it that way, how can you make your content digestible? So I'm thinking 10 to 20 minutes max on these pre-recorded trainings, just get to whatever it is that you want to teach and then supplement that with a live training each week. So it's one pre-recorded and then one live and in the live, you don't teach new shit. You actually just literally reiterate what was in the, in the pre-recorded training. That's it. You just say it differently. You just repeat it again, and then you open it up for questions, comments. We do what's what's called a download because sometimes people don't know what a question is to ask. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't know how to like form it as a question. They just go, "Hey Jill, can I just tell you a little bit about my situation?" And you can like give me some feedback, and we can piece together a plan together. The answer is yes. So. I think if you create, and also one thing I'll say, and I, I, you and I both know this, a lot of people with these like live trainings, they're so scared that people are going to show up. What if people don't show up? What if no one comes? What if people drop off? And high level, make it fun for them That's to come. It. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like they have to want to be there. You know, my FBAers are like, this is my favorite time of the week. Yeah. I want people to be excited to show up. So make it fun, make it interesting, blow their minds with your content and your energy, by the way, like high, get your energy up. So if you have to stand up while you're doing these Zooms or whatever you need to do to get your energy up, make it fun for them to learn ask them questions, have them laughing. Like it doesn't have to be so formal and so, I don't know, like monotone and boring. Like it should be fun. It should be stuff that like is blowing their mind every second. So one pre-recorded training, 
one live training to follow up, literally same exact content. Okay. And then rinse and repeat the next week. And that's literally it and have a community piece. And so what we've done with the fitness and nutrition stuff is we actually have an accountability thread every day. And it's just something that my assistant puts up on the page and says, you know, did you do your workout? Yes or no? Drop it on this thread. And then we actually do weekly prizes. So just incentivizes people every single week, they get to start fresh. If they had a bad week of exercising, they can come in and they can start from scratch the next week and be eligible for a prize. So it's just an accountability type thing. So there's a community, there's daily accountability. There's a pre-recorded training that they have lifetime access to, and then live recordings that reiterate the pre-recorded. That's it. That's a ton of shit. They're going to learn so much and they're not going to feel overwhelmed. So good. Jill, what was the... I don't want to phrase this. I want to talk about the length of the programs, uh, mainly because we're seeing in the space now, right? Like there's a little bit of opposition to long shit just because it's summertime coming and Mm. coming out of COVID and things like that. But from you and your journey, like, right, Jill invented this shit. When did you make the switch or what was the journey of the duration for your programs? And you were, were you ever like, this is not long enough or like, it's, I, want, I don't want it to be, because one of the things we people say all the time is like, I'm just like worried if it's too long, they're going to like drop off. But then I'm like, can I get them result? What was your journey totally. for that? Yeah, no, this is a great question. I think there's a time and a place for something shorter and there's a time and a place for something longer because if we're talking about an online business and really needing to increase the viability of your business, right? two things need to happen, higher price points and longer term commitments. At the end of the day, like we need those two things to happen over time. We need to increase your prices. We need to have people committing for longer. So what I've sort of found, especially if I matched my members is some of the like four, six, eight week programs are a little bit more digestible for consumers because they go, oh, I can definitely do this for six weeks. I can definitely do this for eight weeks. However, a lot of professionals are like, well, that's not really enough time to get them this full transformation, right? And so I think be honest about that. If you truly don't believe, you know, your clients come in, they want to lose 20 pounds and you're like, I don't know that I can deliver a 20 pound weight loss in eight weeks. Like no one can. And if you are, then I don't know, the person's going to gain back 80 probably. So I think just have that language. So one way you can get around that is as a marketer, is you can say, over the course of six weeks, you're going to learn everything you need to know to make the transformation that you want to. But after the six weeks is over is when you practice, right? So like, hey, we're going to do this sort of like deep dive, you know, accelerated version of all of these tools and strategies. And then after the six weeks is over, that's when, you know, practice happens, you know, rinse and repeat. So in Moderation 365, it's a, you know, it's like a food relationship course. It's a food mindset course. And essentially, you know, there's no way that you can make, (laughs) you you know, uncover all your fucked up food relationship stuff in four weeks, but we do have a four week program. But then we say, you know, it's probably gonna take you a minimum of like a year to fully like understand this, practice it and get better at this. So it's sort of a rinse and repeat situation. So you can just teach in some, a smaller length of time with there being a uh, expectation that after it's over, they're going to continue to practice. But I will say that once you are at that level, you've run this maybe six or eight week program a bunch of times and you've had a lot of students go through it. And now you have like a group of alumni they need an aspirational next step. They need to go somewhere. They need to have something else to graduate to. This is where some longer, more higher ticket commitments can come in. So I have a lot of clients who then graduate. Maybe they have the six-week signature offer. They've run it three, four, or five times. Now they have, I don't know, 50 to 100 students that have gone through that. And they can pitch to those alumni 
maybe a mentorship, maybe a higher level mentorship. That's a smaller container because people will pay more. And this is something that always makes me laugh in our space. Someone will be like, it's my mastermind. And they have like 200 people in there. And I'm like, that's not a mastermind, right? So there is, people are really craving these smaller containers. However, it needs to be higher price. And I think don't make the mistake of thinking that if it's a higher price, people won't want to do it. In fact, I think there's something aspirational about giving someone something to work towards or, or wanting to be part of something that's a little bit more exclusive, a little bit more elite. I don't say elite in terms of better than, I, I think more advanced, um, which is why you know legacy is such a great fit for people who are graduating from FBA because it gives them that next. And you and I even had a conversation about the pricing of legacy. Yeah, I was like, did. it needs to make sense for an intermediate person. That pricing needs to make sense. If it's too high, it's not going to be appropriate for where they're at business-wise. I can't tell someone who's making $25,000 a year online that they have to you know, yeah. pay 10 grand for a mastermind. They're not ready for that level of investment yet. But once they get up to like 75,000, you know, 80,000, 90,000, sure. Yeah. $10,000 is, is a good makes next sense. step yeah. for them. It makes sense. So when you price your stuff, think about it that way too, of course, as a business example, but if you have a health and fitness or you're working with someone in the health space, you know, give them an opportunity to have more intimate, uh, coaching with you. There's something nice about, we teach in legacy coaching pods, mentorships, masterminds, that you just have, I don't know, five, 10, 15 people paying you something higher and getting a more exclusive, more advanced curriculum. Could you flesh out what that would look like for someone in the, I'm thinking about like my PTs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What would that aspirational, it's going to be different than a business, business to business. Sure. What would that aspirational next product offer service? What could that look like? Yeah. So here's sort of how I think about it. The average person comes in and they want an outcome, right? So they're buying into a result. They're never buying into deliverables or anything like that. They're not like, ooh, how many Zoom calls, right? They don't care. They just care about the outcome. So they're buying into an outcome. And to me, there's always a next step. So we have to think about once someone masters this level of whatever the you know, whatever the outcome is for PTs, what else is there? And I would, and so here's how it works. I have a nutrition client doing this right now. She's a, in my, she's a business client, but she does nutrition. She has an eight-week nutrition program. It's had, you know, hundreds of people go through it, and she's getting ready to launch a six-month mentorship just for alums. And it's not just nutrition. It's nutrition plus lifestyle plus relationships plus even some career stuff because she has these people who are like her diehards, mm-hmm. her like they buy everything, they've been in her membership for a couple of years now, and they just want more of her. Mm-hmm. They just want more FaceTime, they want more. So that's why I like mentorships because it doesn't have to be this like, you're gonna lose 20 pounds. It can be, yes, you're gonna lose weight, but you're also going to be surrounded by some amazing other individuals who you're gonna be lifelong friends with that you can maybe do collaborations with. You can like, maybe we do a, an in-person retreat together. We're going to talk about all the other stuff besides just, you know, carbs, fats, and proteins. We're going to talk about, you know, food peer pressure and relationships and mom life and, you know, our partners and travel and our aspirations and our career goals. And like, so it doesn't always have to just be this one thing. It can be, I hate this word, but it can be more holistic mm-hmm. because that's the level that this person is at. They want that sort of next, that next step. So that's probably, it would be other things. Yeah. I would, I would say think laterally. Totally. Uh, anyone that's listening to this, especially if you're in the physical therapy world, I challenge you to think of this and think of what a next step could be. You know, what we're really seeing, and it makes sense, is that we're going kind of from the pain to prevention, uh, excuse me, to performance. Nobody wants prevention. Don't go to prevention. <laughs> it's pain to performance. So right, people are coming in, they're coming in for treatment. That's their goal. They don't want to fucking have pain anymore. 
But a very aspirational next step for some people would be performance, which this kind of circles back to what we were talking earlier. If you have a clinic, that might not be you. But this is where, you know, there, there exists the model, um, exists the potential, the possibility for having a trainer, having someone else on staff that actually does that. We see a bunch of companies that actually run the model like that. I'm pretty sure Danny Matei runs something like that. Right? Because in general, most physical therapists, we're not, we're not coaches. We're not trainers. We don't know how to fucking program things. That's not what we do. But that can keep people in the ecosystem longer, right? That's going to increase the, the you know, revenue per customer yep. if we're looking at that. And it also just gives you other things for, to, because we know once someone's in, they also want to stay with you, right? Like it's not just about, oh, I want to keep this person. That's fine. I have no, no shame or shade there, but they also want to stay with you. They're going to come back if something else hurts them, but you can also look to be like, what, uh, what other goals does this person have? What are the things that they want? And can I you know, provide a solution there? And I think the, the, the easiest one for most of you listening to this is going to be looking into that kind of performance sector. Right. Which includes things. everything from training to nutrition to, you know, I don't know, lifestyle, you know, hacks, stress management, yep. sleep, all that kind of stuff. So many options. Yep. Awesome. Speaking of team then, Jill, I want to circle back. I had written this. You decided kind of to grow that you needed to grow during a time that I think a lot of people were like, I'm glad I'm not big, right? 2020, we saw it was going to be very, you know, good for people and good for business, but also we saw a lot of businesses go under, especially those that had really tight margins, those that did no saving. And then they were like, I have people on payroll. How has that been for you now having people that are in like way more serious positions yep. in JillFit? Yeah. So one of the things to know about scaling is yes, you bring in room revenue, but way more money goes out the door too, right? So overall, our profit margin is, is probably about the same, but like at the percentage profit is probably about the same as it was. Um, but we're just bringing in a lot more dollars now. So, and I will say this, like if you want to scale, you don't need, like I see a lot of people, especially around the new year, like this motivation and this like rah, rah and cheerleading. I just made a simple decision and I'll tell you guys what it is. It was literally just, if there any decision that came across my desk to do something bigger or to just do the same thing I always did, I just chose the other thing. That was it. Like, so literally anytime there was a decision that came in that was like, okay, and our, and our business mantra was BGB, it stands for big girl business. And that was it. It was like, if there was an opportunity to invest in something we were doing, if there's an opportunity to, you know, scale to this, we're doing it. If there's an opportunity to hire this, you know, or outsource this thing, we were doing it. And that's literally just how we made it happen. It wasn't mm -hmm. this big thing. It wasn't a big vision board or anything like that. It was literally like, okay, we're just making different decisions now. And I think that's as simple as change can be. I think it doesn't need to be a big deal. It can just be like, I'm making a conscious effort to make different decisions. So yeah, my, you know, our payroll is a lot more than it ever was, but we're servicing. And this is why, and this is like at the end of the day, my lifestyle hasn't changed at all. You know, I'm not, I mean, I'm saving a little bit more. And that was another piece of it too, was just going like, you know, I'm, I turned 40 last year and I think I had this thing of like, you know, I don't know that I want to be doing this mm -hmm. in this way for more than another 10 years. Yeah. That was sort of my thing. And I was like, okay. And also my parents are getting older and I was kind of feeling like, you know, I really want to make sure they're completely set up. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm completely set up and I have sort of no worries financially. And so a lot of it was like going towards more savings and putting, putting stuff away and things like that. But, um, 
but also we're servicing way more people, yeah. you know, than we ever have. So the amount of customers that came through Jill Fit last year was the most we've ever had. And so on a personal level, that means a lot to me because yeah. that means, you know, we have a charge in the world. You know, yeah. I want to see people having success. I want to help people grow their businesses. To me, that's why I do. And I'm sure you do too. That's why we do what we do is there's nothing that makes me happier than my clients getting wins ever. Like, you know, whether it is just an action win or whether it's a revenue win, or if it's a, a personal, I don't know, vulnerability PR or something like that, there's nothing that, and when we have that on a larger scale, I mean, the, the, the ripple effect of that's awesome. Now that we have the certification too, now we have certified nutrition professionals going out and I don't even know what the ripple effect yeah. is for that. So that's, that's been really special. I want to dig deeper into that. Actually, I actually had that yep. written down, right? You and I are the same with this, like it's discipline over motivation. It's not like, well, how are you motivated to post today? So it's just yeah. over motivation, but I also believe that there is a desire piece that comes into play with like, why do I keep doing this? And you alluded to it. You spoke about it kind of, you know, make sure your parents are set up, make sure you're set up uh, and you like, you know, you're in the service business. You like helping people. You and I have had some talks about this and, and, you know, speaking specifically about helping women to be able to like have fucking money. Mm-hmm. Right? Can you speak to that? I'm not sure if people know that mm. side of you and like how you feel about what you do and why you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's dysfunctional. <laughs> I don't know if it's a dysfunction, but I grew up with, and I feel very lucky, but I grew up with a mom and a stepmom who are both just incredible, strong, independent women. Um, they were both single parents for a long time and uh, just badass career women. So my two biggest female role models were badass working women who just took care of shit. Both of them so similar too. And so I feel very lucky. And it's funny. I've only, I didn't even come to this realization until a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, that's where this came from. Um, and I think, yes. And also I went through a divorce in 2016 and 2017 and I left my marriage and I was able to walk away and not and be financially fine. Literally, yeah. I made the decision to leave North Carolina and move to LA in a week. And I did. I signed a $3,300 a month lease in Santa Monica, a little 700 foot square foot <laughs> uh, studio. But I was able to do it, yeah. you know? And and not everyone can. I know you got like, especially situations are different. People have kids and, you know, homemaking and stuff like that. So, you know, everyone makes different decisions with their partner or their spouse. But for me, that was a real big moment of feeling like, gosh, I'm so glad that I've done this up until this point. And also I'm just, I just believe that women need to have something of their own. I moms need to have something of their own. Even if you never monetize it, you talk a lot about this. You don't have to monetize everything that you're want to do or that you're good at. But I do believe you need something of your own. I think there's nothing you can't, and you really can't describe that feeling to someone unless you have the experience of it. So when I started quote unquote business coaching at Jill Fit, a lot of people were coming in because they were fitness and nutrition clients. And I was like, oh yeah, what do you think about starting a blog? And they're like, what? And I was like, maybe you, maybe you can start like a mom blog or whatever. So I was like implanting these ideas in some of these women. And now they, you know, now they have these businesses. They have online businesses, 2012, 2013. And I think there's something, and not, it's not for everybody, you know, I've had a lot of conversations yeah. around that, but I think there's something really powerful, not only for yourself and that keeps you safe. And there's a level of certainty when you know that if you need money, you can make it. Yeah. There's something really powerful about that. And, um, 
at the same time that I was going through my separation and divorce, there was someone else in my sort of ecosystem who had the opposite experience. And she had had an affair and, and her husband ended up wanting to uh, divorce her. And she had, she's a mom with three kids Talk. and she hadn't worked in 30 years. Yeah, She had no skills, no resume, no money. <sighs> You know, and it was like, fuck. Yeah. And it, and it was, it's fine and it happens. But, you know, to me anyway, that was a little bit of a cautionary tale. Yeah. And I was just, and I think contrasted against that. I was so grateful for the time. And honestly, that's my charge in the world. Yeah. Like I want to see women just fucking dominate totally. and love what they're doing and make a huge impact and not hold back their power. You heard it here first, folks. Nicest lady ever. <laughs> I will say that I will die on that hill, Jill. <laughs> nicest lady ever. I'm glad you spoke about that. I made sure I'm like, I want you all to talk about that. You know, I will say the one thing that I will say about that. And, you know, it really helps me to have friends like you and some of our other friends like Danny J and these other people who are, have sort of had the same path, you know, it, it's not always popular to be honest. It's not always easy to be like, you know, to be out in front being like, we can do this, but that's part of, I think that's part of, I hope anyway, that's part of the Jill fit brand is sort of being out in front doing it first and yeah. you know and showing other people that it's okay so when Danny J and I launched we have a podcast called the best life podcast we launched in 2017 our first two episodes were all about our ex-husbands having affairs and that was not like a and believe me it wasn't like the funnest thing to share <laughs> um you know it's not awesome but we there was something really um it felt really risky at the time but something really nice about just owning it yeah. publicly, you know, it was embarrassing for many, for many years and, you know, whatever people have their own experience, but, you know, it was something really cathartic about sharing it. And since then, so many people, so many listeners have come out of the woodwork and said, I went through the same thing or whatever. And so I think sometimes you got to just like, you know, you got to put on your big girl pants and be first. Yeah. And I, I think it's always a little bit scary because you're looking around going like no one else is here. You know, you and I both have said, we don't want to have children and that's another script breaker right there, you know? So I think you have to have some lady balls to. This, it's wild to me, the things that, you know, Jill and I are so close, but also just we walk the world and experience things so differently. And it's like wild. I know it's real that if you say that you don't want to have kids, people are like, but what? Like, I think I've had like one person ever say that to me. And I was like, do you even, what? Like one person ever and everyone else that I've ever said it, they were like, oh, yeah, it makes but sense. you're all, but you're also so confident and convicted that like no one would dare question. You're so like self-possessed that so no one would dare question it. Cause they're like, you're so, what's the word resolved? Your energy is resolved. So you're like, I'm not available for any questions <laughs> about that. And I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit that way too, uh, but I'm not available. For yeah. I don't, sometimes I, I do. You know, it's weird sometimes when people are like, "You're an, how could you not? I mean, it's, it's such an amazing experience. I'm like, I'm sure it is. Yeah, it's great. I'm sure for it you. is. I love it for you. <laughs> for you. Jill, I want to circle, I want to back way up, but also tie into what we're talking about right now. And in terms of like, you are at the tip of the spear, you are way ahead of shit and things that you're talking about and that you're willing to talk about. But you said earlier, and you're, this is something that's, that I respect so much about you, 
you keep doing the same shit, right? Because that's that's success. You keep doing, you keep doing it until you, you know. You said recently, or said, excuse me, you said in, early in the podcast, you were starting to get like feeling a little bit bored. But there's a difference, right? Because we see people in the space and they're bored because they're in the part where they have to do the same things over and over again. And then there's a part, a time and a place where you're bored because you're like, I have this success and I could do more. I want to do something else. Can you talk? Can you differentiate that for us? Mm-hmm. Because it's important. It's so important. I'm so glad you brought this up because we all have worked with those people who are constantly switching gears. Like they change their Instagram handle like every two weeks. I'm like, <laughs> what are you this week? And you just never get any traction, right? Yeah. Over time and they wonder, it's been three years that they've been quote unquote trying online business and they haven't made any traction. And really it's probably because they're not fully settled and they're probably not fully through maybe their transformation. Um and so I, do, I have some clients who were sort of like that. And I remember saying to them like, hey, are we staying right here? Are we staying here? So if we're staying here, then like fucking sky's the limit. Let's go. But if you feel like your personal evolution is not quite done, then it's not that you can't continue to evolve as a person, but your content needs to have some level of congruency and consistency because that's the thing. If, if you can barely keep up with where you're going, how do you expect an audience to keep up yeah. with where you're going? So when I said I was bored, I wasn't bored with my content. I think a lot of people get bored with content because they're just personally evolving. So I can tell you guys this, if you have an online business, chances are you're probably at some point going to dip into personal development because starting an online business and being an entrepreneur is innately personal development. It will bring you face to face with your biggest limiting beliefs and biggest insensitivities and insecurities and things like that. And in order to be successful, you have to work through that shit. You just have to. You have to understand. You have to have extreme self-awareness. And so when you do that, you're going to dip into some of these other things that you're going to get excited about. But not everything needs to be part of your business. So one of my mentors, James Wedmore, says, your business isn't here to entertain you. And I love that because I love my business and it's extremely fulfilling. And I find ways to feel creative within the confines of what we've set up with, you know, but I can't be creating new shit all the time Mm -hmm. because then I'm just constantly selling new things to the same people. But if I really want to scale, then I need to get way more, uh, what's the word? Just streamlined. Um, But in terms of creativity, when I said I was bored, it was that I was more bored with business, my personal business skills. So bringing on team is a skill, right? Scaling is a skill. Uh, We layered on a lot more paid traffic last year. That was a skill. We did a lot more automation last year. That was a skill. So a lot of those kind of things where I'm like, okay, we're scaling the business, which requires me as a business owner to literally become a different business owner. And that was really exciting to me. And it's been messy. (laughs) It's been really messy, Uh, but it's been extremely fulfilling. I like yeah. it. But you have to find ways to, you know, still feel, and a lot of people, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, don't identify as being a creative person, but over time, and you say this a lot, creativity begets creativity and ideas beget ideas. So I think when you get a taste of that feeling of creativity, like, Ooh, I can create this and I create that. What I find a lot, especially with newbies, those in the first couple of years is they get so enamored with creating mm-hmm. stuff that they never fully milk whatever it is that they create. Yeah. So for example, creating a lead magnet, which is a freebie, someone might be like, Ooh, I just, I only, you know, not many people downloaded my freebie. So I'm going to create a new freebie. And I'm like, how about instead we get better at promotion, get better at marketing the original freebie or tweak the original freebie instead of just creating a new one and then promoting yes. it to the exact same people stay with the first one. Right. So instead of just jumping from thing to thing and just having a couple people consume everything, I would rather you have less offerings and do a better job of promoting it and getting it out in the space. And that does take a level of 
uh, monotony or re- like redundancy. I mean, you know, I'm still promoting programs that I made yeah. in 2012 and they're yeah. still making they're money. They're still doing well. Right. Exactly. They're yeah. still crushing. Can you dig deeper for me here with this, Jill? What is it? What do you, I'm, I was going to say, what do you think it is? But I take your word as gospel. What is it that drives people to want to create so much? Because I'm not like that. I, I'm creative and I love like making Instagram posts, but I'm not trying to make like a whole other fucking program and all these big things I have to launch and over and over again. What is it? Um, I think for you, and I think, I think for you at this point, probably it's because you've had success with the things you have created, you know? So I think that's the thing. I think the, the thing when people want to keep create new things, it's because they don't think the first thing worked or they didn't think that early, the, the new things worked before. So that's what I'm saying is mm-hmm. like, I see people make hella lead magnets and just get 12 people to enroll. So it's always the same 12 people consuming all the lead magnets. Instead, stay with one and get it super successful. I have a client right now yeah. who's trying to build out like three funnels at once. And I was like, build out one. That. That. And I was like, and let's get that fucking cranking. And then we don't need three. We that. just need the one that's, you know, so... And James says, you know, again, don't... Your business isn't here to entertain you. I think I would... You're, you guys are going to get a lot further having less things done well. And so when Shantae creates something, it does well because she knows how to market. She knows how to sell. She knows how to, you know, tap into her audience, give them what they want. Like she's, you know, she's mastered all of that. So for you, when your things do well, you're like, cool, it worked. You know, it's not like I need to keep grasping at straws because nothing seems to be landing like your shit lands. So I, I would probably say that if you find yourself always trying to reinvent always trying to create new shit. It's probably because you haven't had anything stick quite yet. That, I, thank you. I love this and I think it's super important. Hopefully any of you listening, rewind that and listen to it again. If you were to take this and put it in any other part of your life, I think it becomes super clear where I don't want to be the person that's like, all right, I tried volleyball. I wasn't good. I went on and tried tennis. I wasn't very good. I did it one time and then I was like, this is not working. And I went to the next thing. And then you're like, of course you never got good at it. Cause like you didn't stick with that thing. I love that Jill brought that up and hit that square, you know, right in the mouth and the importance of like creating mastery and taking the time to do that. I remember, you know, we're about to, when this episode launches, uh, Jill's newest program, fitness program will be out and we're gonna talk about that in a minute or so but uh, we're gonna go film for that on Sunday the last time she launched this <laughs> her arm had fallen off because she was like I'm gonna go snowboard through the trees so she broke the tree and her arm fell off that's all that happened to her and uh, she was like uh so my arm fell off so can you can you do the videos well so re- back up really important part of the story so it didn't fall off but it did dislocate Jill it actually and fell. Meister rehabbed me, by the way. So don't skip over that part. It fell off. You rehabbed me for 12 Jill's weeks. Jill's like and the A1 patient. Jill was like, I put it back in and then I had some collagen and I went in the sauna and <laughs> I was healed. And I was like, all right, it's great. It's a mindset. Uh, so her arm was off and she was like, can you just do some of the workouts for this? And I was like, okay, I got you. Mind you, this was two minutes of filming each time because I just like go through like one part of the circuit. And I was like, Jill, why is this shit so hard? I'm dying. Where I'm going at with this story is that Jill has 
proficiency and mastery in all this shit. That's why she, her success is not a fluke, right? So I didn't know Jill during like, you know, the heyday of her fitness uh, stuff. But then I was privy to it in this little fucking filming that I had to do. And I was like, dude, I get it. I get why this woman had success in that. I get why she had success in the nutrition space. I get why she has massive success in the business space because she's really fucking good at it. So any of you that are out there and you're like, that's great if you are like, you know, leaning on the creative side of things, but can we take a step back and listen to what Jill had said and, you know, get some of the patience, patience, uh, get some of the, um, what is the word? I can't think of the word uh, right now. We'll lean on, get some of the patience there to mm -hmm. stick with that thing and really dig. And if you need to, you know, hire a coach, whatever, but dig deep so that you can have that mastery and you, you won't need to be creating a zillion different things. You actually get the traction. This is actually a good, um, like there's a framework that I use. So like everyone who comes into the space, and by the way, when I first came in, like I wasn't good at fitness. I wasn't good at nutrition. I wasn't good at business, right? So, like any skill you start, like you weren't good at volleyball when you started, right? But then you just like, you stick with it and you sort of get through that phase that everyone goes through where you're not that great yet. You have to keep, but you have to keep publishing anyway. Um, so I, I, I tell this to my students all the time. There's sort of like a, everyone comes in as what I consider to be a level one expert. Level one expert is like, you got the certification. So you have the credential, but maybe you're, you're like sort of regurgitating what other people you learn from, right? So maybe you had a blog that you or a podcast you listen to or whatever. Maybe you're out here trying to be the maestro. I don't know. But you have that person and everyone starts that way, by the way. If you read a bunch of blogs, you probably start writing like that person or whatever. And that's fine. You're still qualified, right? Level one expert. You have the credential and whatever, but you haven't put a ton of originality into it yet only because you just don't see all the angles quite yet. You don't really have your own take. You don't really have your own spin, but something happens after you are in the trenches for a time, you in the trenches for months, maybe even years. At some point, you start going off script. You start seeing yourself and go, you know, I learned from this person or I learned from this certification or I learned from this school of thought. And that's not matching up for all my clients anymore. It's not really working for everybody anymore. And so just brief history, I was a competitor. I was a figure competitor for a lot of years. And so when I started Jill Fit, I was a competition coach. People would come in, I would get them up on stage. Like they lose like 50, 40, 30 pounds, get up on stage. And at the time I was sort of coming out of being a competitor. So I was like, oh, I can't really do this diet anymore. This isn't what I want to be doing. I can't really stay on these strict plans. And so I started teaching myself at the time there wasn't intuitive eating, wasn't really a thing. No one was really talking about that. And I started teaching myself like moderation and what that might look like and mindfulness around food. And I wish that there was someone teaching that. I mean, maybe there was, there wasn't in my ecosystem at the time. Um, and so over the course of like three years, I started doing things different with my nutrition and that became the Moderation 365 curriculum. So at some point, you're going to start to see that the old thing that you were teaching does not always helping everybody. You need a different system or you need a different method or you need a different blueprint to help some people. And at that point, you'll start creating your own IP. You'll start creating your own systems. You'll start creating your own frameworks. You'll start creating your own um, models. And that's when you become a level two expert. Level two expert is now I'm creating the thing that other people are consuming. I'm creating the certification that other people are doing. I'm creating the programs and you know I'm teaching the things that other people are now gonna go out and regurgitate. And in my experience, in all of my areas, so it happened in fitness and nutrition first, 
And when I first started teaching business, I was regurgitating everyone who I learned from, you know, and I was just kind of being like, oh yeah, Derek Halpern and Ramid and Marie Forleo and all these people I was learning from who were being in the t- at, this, at the time. And then I started to come up with my own frameworks and my own systems and my own little like tools for my clients in business. And that probably didn't happen probably until like 2015, 2016. It had been like three or four years that I was coaching. And so when you start to see yourself doing stuff like that, you're like, okay, this, that's what I would consider real mastery. But you have to go through the level one expert first. And the only way you get to level two is reps and getting in the trenches and staying in the trenches and, and regurgitating other people, give credit, obviously, regurgitating other people for a time. And then you'll notice that there's an opportunity to create something because you totally. do start to real, have real mastery. I want to go a little deeper with that, Jill, because I love this. And I think that you and I are very similar in this and we are, it's something that comes more naturally to be like, well, this is my idea. This is what I think about it. That doesn't come naturally to some people. I think they would sit with the, the, the security of what they've been taught and what they've been told. Sure. That's, there's like a big, there's a bigger yeah. hill for them to climb to be able to be like, but I think this, and I'm going to like teach this. What have you seen? How do you help people through that? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, this is great. So it's funny. I was, I was um, interviewing someone for the best life and he's a, a dude. He has like a lot of followers in the space and he was, um, I was on his podcast um, and he wanted to talk business for his followers. So we're talking business and then we get done with the podcast and he goes, how'd you learn all that stuff? <laughs> and I'm teaching my own frameworks. Yeah. And I was like, just over years and years of reps, you start seeing patterns and I know you're big on patterns. So you start to see patterns and you're like, Oh, there isn't a solution for this thing. Or at least if there is, I don't know what it is. So I got to just create something to make it sense, to make it make sense to my students. And I think really, um, when you go from the end user to someone who teaches it, that's when you have to really do it. Right. So instead of being the end user, like I'm the one on the diet, I'm the one doing the fitness program to I'm the one, teaching nutrition to I'm the one programming the workouts. Now, all of a sudden, that's when I I think that you sort of start having to figure out what you think about things. I think that a lot of people, to your point, I think what you were getting at is they feel nervous to state their system or their opinion or what they think about something because they feel like they're going to be wrong. And now I can't speak to the PT community. Obviously, y'all have a lot of science, so I know that's a big thing. But here's the deal. If I get on social media and I'm like, here are the the five S's of social media content in my experience. It's their services posts, solutions posts, there's um, story posts, there's superpowers, and then there's system. Those are the five pieces of content for social media. And they go on stories and in your main feed posts, someone's going to be like, I don't know, like what could someone even say about that? You know what I mean? So what? how could they even poke a hole in that? You're like, you're missing one or like, I mean, I don't know, like, so <laughs> if it's it your up. IP, right, it's your own IP, it's your own framework, your own system. So the, the five S's is what I teach. Um, like that can't be wrong yeah. because that's my personal experience after working with hundreds, if not right. thousands of people. So I think don't worry about saying the wrong thing or someone poking a hole if your experience is your experience. Right. You're a physical therapist. You have seen over 10,000 clients over the course of a decade. Your experience is valid. Yes. And your, um, your system, your framework, your methodology, your opinion, whatever comes out of that is fucking valid because of that experience. I love Brendan Bouchard. Speaking of models, I do love Brendan Bouchard, sort of like three different types of experts. I think oftentimes we think you can only be an expert if you have a credential or you have this, you know, he calls it the three R's. 
the researcher expert, which is the person who has the certs, has the credentials, is reading the research, you know, is up on the studies. That's only one type of expert. There's also the role model expert. You and I talk about this a lot, especially in the health and fitness space. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't mean you don't need to have a six pack to be a good coach, but like, you know, it is a visual platform, especially Instagram. So like, yeah, are you showing yourself doing the exercises that you're giving your clients? You don't have to have a specific body type, but you do need to be exercising. That would be a good thing. If you're, if you're a coach, show yourself (laughs) exercising. It's simple. That's the role model expert, right? This is the typical, I don't know, Instagram, Insta famous fitness model. Who's like, just do my diet. Right. I mean, I, we can you know, say what we want to say about that, but that would be the role model expert. And then the last R is the results getter. And I would probably argue that the results getter is actually the most qualified because they just have seen so much, so much fucking clinical experience that to me, but the goal of course is to have all three, you know, at some point you should probably have all three of those types of, of expertise. Um, and if you are someone who's been in the trenches, even if you haven't been, had a lot of clients quote unquote online, but you've been a, a PT for 10 fucking years, you're hugely qualified. Yeah, that, and I know, right, as you're saying it, the pushback that we get from the PT clinic, and you you hit it off the pad, hit off the pass there with this kind of science ba- component of things, which would be the evidence that's there. Uh, and actually, Brendan, you said Brendan Mouchard. That's Brendan his, Mouchard, that's yeah, his model. The three R's. That's, that's very similar to the evidence-based model within PT, uh, right? We have three parts of that evidence-based triangle or one is the actual evidence. One is the patient's wants, needs, and expectations. And one part of that's going to be your own experience. Awesome. The problem is people seem to forget about everything but the fucking research side of right. it. And they just, they actually don't look at it as a triangle. They look at it as like a hierarchy or like, I don't even know, just a single point where it's just, what does the evidence say? And I, I already know the majority of people listening to this podcast know that that isn't the case. And they understand like, dude, your results and that you've gotten for people, which I would agree, I think it's at the top and the what the patient actually wants. So important coming into a space and then, you know, into the online space, it's very scary because there's all the fucking keyboard warriors and people are like, where's the studies? Where's the studies? This is the type of thing where, you know, I think the best example of this folks for you listening to, uh, to this, is Nisa Rato's guy. That motherfucker got 1.1 million followers now at this point. He's a, he's a trainer. I love Ben. You know, I brought him on, a good friend of mine. He has, you know, rested largely on his results. Your shit has to work. And he has rested on what the older evidence was and, you know, looking at old-time strength, um, strongmen and, and those methodologies. But... What I want you to take away from what Jill said is the the importance of your expertise and your experience mm-hmm. and how much weight that carries and how important it is to, to think about that and borrow confidence from that so that if you can go and be like, this is the system that I that I use with people. You have a system right now, folks. You, don't, you yeah. haven't named it, but you have it. You've totally. gone through it with all your patients already. And you can double down on that when you if you are looking to, you know, ever monetize or go on your own or, or publicize, whatever you're looking to do with it. Uh, I really love that, that point that Jill brought up about having, you know, confidence in your expertise and your experience, especially so many people, like, like you said, they have 10 years of experience and they're like, I just need like a little more. And I'm like, but what? Right. No, you don't need more. And also I will say like, you'll know when it's not working too, yes. you know? So that's the thing is like, you know, just because you have a framework that you come up with, I'll give you guys an example. Like, so I was teaching the blogging model, right? So I was like, that was how I had gotten to my first six figure year. And I was like, all right, this is just like, what do you do? And it was 2010, 2011, golden age of blogging. This is before Instagram was out, Facebook, it was <laughs> Facebook, beginning of Facebook pages. 
And so I was teaching that. And then I had this moment in 2015 where I was still teaching that because I was still doing that personally, but I had grown a readership over five years and the space was changing. And my clients were like, I'm spending all this time writing these blogs and no one's reading them. And I, I was forced to be like, oh, this isn't relevant anymore for new people coming into the space. And I, I stopped teaching that, right? So that was like that. I shed that part of the business because that part of the framework wasn't relevant anymore. So just because you come up with a framework doesn't mean you can't change it when you have new evidence, when you have new evidence based on experience. And also, you know, like if something's not working, then it is your job to fix that, you know? So I imagine if I was so attached to blogging that I, that my, my clients were clearly not getting a result mm-hmm. from it. And I was like, but you got to keep blogging just because yeah. I had my ego tied to it or whatever, you know, so you, ha- you can still evaluate and change and we're constantly tinkering, you know, totally. things that we're teaching in the business and sort of filtering out things that aren't working and putting in new things that are working now. Totally. You have to. You think blogging is coming back? I think there's always going to be a, I will say this, I think there's always going to be an audience for long form content. I think podcasting is the new blog. I mean, you always have people who want to read and obviously people are Googling shit constantly. I think if you didn't start a blog back, way back when, I think it's going to be really hard to get traction on Google if you just don't have a lot of content on your blog. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if if you're going to start a blog today, then you better get your, your posts up. Yeah. Quickly. Yes. To get SEO traffic. Because otherwise, yeah. here's the thing. People yeah. aren't hanging up on hanging out on your blog, right? So that's why you and I are both really big on social media. I mean, social media is a non-negotiable part of business. It's not a business, but it's a non-negotiable part of business because that's where your potential clients are already hanging out. They're not hanging out on your website. Yeah. They're not hanging out in your email, right? They're hanging out on social media. They're totally. already there scrolling. So go meet them there, yep. then bring them, them into other containers. Yeah. Then move them. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. I'm interested. I think, you know, COVID came and this is a total tangent. COVID came and I think it switched things up. I definitely think that the audio only is a podcast. I said audio only, but a podcast uh, as an audio only medium is is huge. I think people got a little screen fatigued, but, you know, things change very quickly. Uh, Well, audio content is only only content you can consume passively, that, right? Yeah. So like if I'm reading a blog, I got to sit there and stare at the screen and read it. If I'm, you know, watching a video, I got to sit at the screen and read it. That's why like seven second videos, like three second mm-hmm. videos, right? So, but for long form, people are willing to listen to a Joe Rogan three, three hour hours. long podcast, three hours. you know? And so because, because they're doing other away. shit, yeah. yeah, they're making dinner, they're taking a walk, they're in their car driving to work. So I do believe that podcasting is still in its infancy and there's a huge mm-hmm. land grab here only because so many people don't stick with it, Us to be that. honest. You nailed it. And it was the same thing. Like, I know you like Seth Godin. He said, and this is back in like 2011, but he said, everyone starts a blog and no one finishes one. I think the exact same thing for podcasting. Okay. There's, you know, buried entry there's the technology stuff and it's commitment right you publish twice a week I publish fucking four times a week now so it's like you got to have you know you got to be committed and most people just get off track and it's no fault of their own but I think there's huge opportunity for those who stick with it 100% what would you do if you were starting right now I would definitely start a podcast. I would start a podcast for sure. And I know it's like, it's kind of a joke. Cause like everyone has a podcast, but relatively not no, everyone does. They don't actually. Though. No one keeps it going either. Like, well, the best thing about <laughs> podcast really is like the subscribe button. Right. So think about that. It's like the old RSS feed for your blog. Like they, people no get one knows a what an RSS is. Yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what that is. So I will date myself a little bit. So when you, when you have a blog, especially like a WordPress or something like a WordPress site, people can subscribe to get a notification when a new blog post goes up. Say. They don't. No, you're right. They definitely don't. 
That's why I'm saying that podcasting is a new blog. So it is. if you do a podcast, just so you guys know, number one, if you have any call to action for people, it's to tell them to subscribe. Now we would love ratings, interviews and all that kind of stuff and sharing on social, but really number one call to action is subscribe because it just auto populates in there wherever they listen to podcasts. So that's basically free marketing. If you can get them to subscribe, it pops up when it's, when it's live. And I'm sure a lot of you guys, you know, come on on Monday and you're looking for the maestros podcast. Cause, and there's a lot of really cool research now coming out on podcast listeners. And so like what the future of podcasting looks like, I mean, shit in 2017, like only, I don't know, 40% of the population knew what a podcast were. Yeah, I know. And so now it's obviously so much more than that. And, you know, I think the average person listens on average per week podcast listener, like seven to eight different podcasts a week. So, wow. Yeah. Subscribe. So I'm overwhelmed. There's a lot. But, you know, you walk, I walk, you know, I'm probably listening. I probably listen to seven, eight a week. Wow. On walks. Different, different, not different episodes, but different podcasts. Different podcasts. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. And it's cool because there's all different types of podcasts. You know, you have the Joe Rogan. And I think people, because it's passive, they're much more forgiving with things like pauses or, you know, you can speed it up too. That, so that the, the ability to control how you consume it, I think is the best thing that podcast uh, players did and makes it a huge difference for the audience. Huge, huge difference. Which I think was the issue with video, right? right. Video, you can't speed up. You're like, I don't know what the fuck is happening now. Right. I sped up and I missed the part. Reading, you can at least read faster. But with when it's audio, if you're like, I have to listen to this person speak so fucking slowly. Like, I don't know if anyone listens to us so fast. <laughs> well, <laughs> Also, so Maestro hit me up yesterday and she goes, I just watched a 26 minute video on e-bikes. I was like, so you're the one. I did watch it. uh, You know why? Because they didn't have a fucking blog about it yet. That's why. They didn't have it written out. I was like, this is my only fucking option. I got to watch this 26 minutes. I I didn't even get that bike. I didn't even buy it. And honestly, I think that's probably a, a good takeaway, which is like, look, if you are going to, you know, do a video, do bullet points, you that's know, it. do some, some show notes, do Come some, on. like, just, you know, give people the cliff notes. Help me out here. Help me out. If you can have multiple different types of content, that would be ideal. Honestly, like, and, and that's the thing, if you guys are really looking to master the online stuff, you do need to have proficiency at written mm-hmm. content, at video content mm-hmm. and at audio content. You just do. So what you, uh, I interrupted you, but if you were going to start now, you definitely have a podcast. What else would you do? So I would probably knowing like how I am, I would definitely figure out what platform, one or two platforms are going to be the best medium for me. And I would go all in on con. I would drop a content bomb. Like I know yeah. it's a lot for people, but like I'd be posting multiple times a day because you don't have to do it 100%. All, forever. Right. But like you have to do it at the beginning because yeah. I look at Instagram, especially with like sort of the way visibility is sort of down and engagement. So I did a launch in September for a program for FBA and I did another one in March and my visibility on social and engagement mm-hmm. on social was half of what it was yeah. in September. And I, my content wasn't worse or anything. It was just, it is what yeah. it is. And it's fine. Like it, we pushed through and it was, it was successful. But just knowing that I look at social media now just like an opportunity for prompts. So for example, I just want to be top of mind. I want there to be enough content that I'm putting out that I'm literally always the first person people see when they open their Instagram, you know, top of mind, top of mind, top mm-hmm. of mind. That's how I would be, you know? Yeah, so, I agree. but you also have, you know, you need to have the time and whatever, but that would be the biggest dilemma for me. The other alternative, especially for me, cause I would probably, I would niche way down totally. 
way down. Um, I would definitely probably start with like fitness over 40 and just be like the go-to person. And I would be like, these are the hardcore workouts for women over 40. Like I wouldn't even try to be for beginners. I wouldn't even try to be for like every different type of injury. I'd be like, if you're injured, you don't, don't do these. (laughs) Like I would literally just draw that line in the sand and I would be the go-to person for that, you know? And I'd probably do something like a, a closed Facebook group and I would fucking just go live every single day in the group. And I would just teach something every day. I would just drop a content bomb. One of the things about when you create a lot of content is you don't take the performance as personally. Totally. And you, you've talked about that extensively, but that's the thing. Like my mantra is post and move. Like, I'm just like, what are you going to do? Be like crying about the likes when you got to post again tomorrow or later today. So, you know, I think if you can get out of that, it needs to, every post needs to be a home run or why aren't people liking and commenting and just post consistently. I think at the beginning of your career, it's definitely a quantity game. Totally. And then your quantity will be get the quality, right? 100%. Like over time you start to get better. 100%. Yeah. And faster and all this kind of stuff. Do the exact same thing. Yeah. Exact same thing. So speaking of this, I'll, I'll wrap us up. I see, sure. I see the time. But speaking of, you'd be the go-to person in fitness over 40. You yeah. got something new. We'll, we'll say new, quote unquote. It's coming out. Can you explain it? Mm-hmm. Drop it? Yeah, talk about it? Yeah. We're, um, we're launching a new program. We're actually, I think it's actually currently open. Yeah, it should be when yeah, this launches. When this yeah. launches. It's called Physique 40. Um, so it's not like specifically for gals over 40, but I just turned 40 last year. Did a really fun 40-day program last year. It was an accountability challenge called 40 Days to 40 leading up to my 40th birthday. We had 1,300 people going through that. It was so, so fun. So we're doing it again this year. Brand new workouts. Um, and it's called Physique 40. And I would say it's definitely like intermediate to advanced fitness for women who want to feel like a badass. So for me, I don't try to be, you know, I'm not like the biomechanics person. I'm not like the like science person. I'm just like, I want to get in and out. I want something that's effective. That's something that's efficient. And that's something that's going to make me feel like a badass. So the physique 40 workouts is four days a week. All the workouts are 20 to 40 minutes long and they're weight training based. So if you are someone who's like, yes, I want to be, you know, I want to have an aspirational physique for me. That's a big part of who I am. I still love fitness. People ask me all the time, why do you still do fitness? Like, you know, and, and I'm just a meathead, like inside, I'm still a meathead. I still want to look jacked. I still want to build muscle. I still want to look athletic. I was an athlete my entire life and I still want to be an athlete. And so I want to move athletically. I want to, you know, move fast. I want to be strong. I want to have that physical outlet. And so it's really for, for, for that. I love it. Can't wait. All you got to do folks to sign up is go to the link in the show notes because we don't have it right now. So we're not going to say it on the podcast, but it's there. It'll be there in the link in the show notes. So you can check it out and sign up and do the thing. So this is going to drop, Jill, like May 16th. Um, When did doors open? So doors open the 15th. And then it's going to be open all the way through June 6th. However, uh, we're doing some early action bonuses that expire on the 19th of May. And the it's 40 days of workouts. 40 days of workouts. That start when? June 6th. Okay, okay, okay. Got yep. I got it now. I got it. So enrollment period. Pro- 15th to the 6th. Okay. Got Three it. Weeks. But if you guys are hearing this, you definitely want to probably get in yeah. this week because we are doing some exclusive that, bonuses that are expiring. This is perfect, folks. I got you guys early access here. The inside yep. scoop. Sign up for that shit. Link will be in the show notes. It's 40 bucks. Come on. 40 days, 40 bucks. The videos are going to have the greatest, most high quality <laughs> filming. I already know. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. We got Meister doing the video. She did it last time. I'm not time. doing the lunges, it so great. it'll be good. It'll work out great. 
<laughs> last time you did my videos, remember you're like, should I get that again? Your arms were out of the shot. No, no it's fine. Like, All right, John. <laughs> people know where my arms okay, are. Okay, just checking. Just <laughs> checking. All right, let me, I uh, got my little thing here. That was the main thing I wanted you to uh, drop. Uh, if you folks want to follow Jill, if you're not following her already somehow, she's at JillFit on Instagram. Jill, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the people with? You've given yeah, us so actually, much. can we go ahead and um, drop oh, the yeah. waitlist for Legacy also? Because yes. for those of you who don't know, Shantae and I do Legacy yeah. Together, which is an intermediate plus business mentorship. It's six months. And we open enrollment every October. So yes. get on the wait list and uh, you'll get all the early details, early access. And then our next round will start in January, 2023. That will be in the show notes. Is there anything else? I love it. No. This is why I work with That's Jill. It. I love it. The best. Parting words, anything. We're good. No, I, I love this conversation. It's a new conversation for us. Thank right? you for that. I appreciate these questions. It's so fun. Always talking new things with Jill. All right. It is. All right. Well, then that is it. You folks listening, thank you. I know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly endlessly appreciative actually pip is here as well she's someone, appreciative as well. someone did ask how jill and i met we met through pip and pip <laughs> is also appreciative that you gave us your time your energy and your attention if you like this episode if you love this episode if you're picking up what we are putting down i got two asks for you number one go find jill and say hello number two as per jill's recommendation earlier subscribe to the podcast that is my official call to action. All right, officially, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Jill Fit, Pip, and Maestro. 